This is the Chiefs' official podcast network. Take advantage of the day. When you get an opportunity in this game, you make a play. The playmakers on three. One, two, three. Touchdown, Kansas City. The Chiefs are right in the thick of it, baby. Hello, Chiefs kingdom. Mitch Holter is with you, the voice of the Chiefs, once again on this edition of Defending the Kingdom. And with my man, the shop, barbershop, the Spider-Man, Sean Barber, 10-year NFL veteran. And barbershop, great to see your family, the pictures of your family at the Juneteenth, uh, some of the things going on in Kansas City. But uh, just loving seeing your family and knowing it's, you know, this has been a uh, something that's been a lot of discussion between you and me and your family. And and you throw that in with COVID, it's been a very interesting offseason here. Yeah, definitely. And, and having the opportunity of actually being a, a a link in that human chain, it ran from 95th in Truce down to, I think, close to 4th Street in Truce. Uh, miles and miles of people uh, just unified, um, showing solidarity and prayer. Um, so peaceful, so, so, so powerful, so impactful. Um, and then having the opportunity to kind of learn about the history of Truce about how that has created that, that, that racial divide amongst mm-hmm. neighborhood to neighborhood, um, from one Kansas City brother to another. Um, it, it's just something that in our, you know, in, our, in, our, in our push for equality and our push to move the needle forward for everybody having a, a, a sense of uh, being viewed as equal on this earth, I think it's something that, that definitely had to be done. And I think I'll you know, give it up to Church of the Resurrection. Pastor Hamilton, I think, was one of the um, lead some one of the champions in that cause, um, but Dayton Moore jumped in, um, yeah. Culture House jumped in, the Chiefs ambassadors jumped in, every the um, Hunt family, uh, Mike Donovan jumped in. Um, so many different sectors of our community were at different parts of that 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 human chain, but the um, the, the common thread was that we believed that love was greater than hate, and I think that's something that's a that's a resounding theme that I hear in Kansas City. Um, we are Kansas City, and that's no matter the shade, color, no matter your background, where you were born at, when you're here and you're part of this community, we are KC. Shop, you and I have talked about this, and, and a big part of being involved in this league is it is it real? Like, you can tell if guys are real or or not, and I mean, this is obviously real, but when I see our guys and what Pat Patrick has done, and yes. uh, we had him on our watch party Wednesday last week, and what we've seen Tyron do, what we saw with Tyreek Hill and what he did in KCK last week. I, I'm, we're going to continue to work on this. You'll, you and I will work on this. Uh, we'll work on it together. But, um, you know, we surge forward. Well, speaking of pushing forward, surging forward, we've got to talk about training camp here because as it stands on this edition of Defending the Kingdom, you know, it's full steam ahead, stay on task, and looking at the end of July, near the end of July, of starting training camp. And we're going to go through this. This is where we're kind of going to cross wires uh, with our podcast brothers in the trenches, is we're going to break these down group by group. And you and I are going to focus on the defense uh, a little bit. We're going to start with corner. Okay. And the, and the battles that are corner on this team. It's interesting. I was on a national show at the end of last week, and they were – it was referenced, I think, as like this. Well, you guys are the best team in the NFL, but this is the kryptonite of your team. And they brought up Rashad Breeland, and we're not going to get into that. We know that's 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 a reality, and it could be an instance or what what could happen there. We're not sure, uh, but we'll put that aside. But understanding uh, that that could be a situation with Rashad Breeland, we look at the rest of this corner roster, and that's where we're going to go in this edition of Defending the Kingdom. So overall, cornerback, we kind of touched on this a couple months ago. 
But we're going to jump into it now as it relates to training camp. Just your overall global view of cornerback. When you hear somebody else go, well, this is this is the kryptonite of your team. Well, I mean, you look at every team in the NFL and you think about there is no perfect team. Every team has some um, some position where they are hoping that that position either takes a big jump up or they acquire uh, an elite player at that position to bring up that level of play at that position. So if there is a position where I think from a national level and even a local level, if you think there's something immediately you would like to see some improvement on our championship Chiefs team, it would I, th- I think nine out of nine people, nine out of ten would say the cornerback position is something we need to address. And you can address it two ways. You can have the guys that are currently there take a step up, play better, play more consistent, uh, be more physical, uh, do, do their job with a little bit more uh, consistency, or you you search for free agents or trade partners. Um, you you bring in a a mercenary kind of to say to 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 hold down one of those spots and play it at a high level. The the beautiful thing about this defense, as I said before, uh, our defense as a totality is not dependent on the cornerbacks playing at an elite level. Uh, we have so much strength in the safety position, how we get after the passer, uh, the guys up front stopping the run. When you talk about uh, stopping the run, getting after the passer, and being able to be in position, the correct position, uh, to make plays on the ball, I don't know if you actually need elite-level corners to make this defense as a whole be a top-three defense. Camp battles and a lot of times here on Defending the Kingdom, we've kind of done a redefining or taken the def- definition beyond. And my yes. first camp battle is going to be not what you would think of me trying to beat you out or you trying to meet, beat me out for corner or a linebacker. The first camp battle to me is Trevarius Ward. And that is the battle from himself to turn into even a better player. Now let's just go through some of these stats. Last year, he was one of the top corners. He was listed uh, Pro Football Focus had him fourth lowest passer rating against him in the whole uh, NFL for corners. Now, he's on the same line in that discussion with Richard Sherman and Stephon Gilmore, right? Yeah. Um, when you look at the passer rating against him, 78 targets against Javarius Ward, only 37 burns. That's 47%, one of the best in the league. Compare that to Kyle Fuller of Chicago at 69% or a Logan Ryan at 68.5%. Plus, Javarius was a great tackler, 74 tackles, fourth best in the team. And some would say, well, wait a minute, he tied for the lead in the NFL with seven defensive holding calls, but only one defensive pass interference. That was against New England uh, in the early December. But shop, Javarius Ward, no playoff penalties, none, zero. And we saw him grow to go to another level, in my opinion, throughout 2019 and then hit it hard in the last part of 2019. He almost was a microcosm of this whole defense. And then we saw him in the playoffs uh, be kind of develop that consistency that you're talking about at corner. But here's my question, the camp battle, and we start with Javarius here by himself. The camp battle is the battle within himself to take Seaward now to another level and jump up in there where he might be listed as one of the top 25 corners in the league, which he was not last year in an article by Solomon Wilcots. So it's C. Ward here, the camp battle himself become even better. Well, not only C. Ward, everybody's in that same mind frame. Um, Sometimes having a good season will keep you from being 
prepared to have a great season. And then after a great season, it'll prepare you or prevent you from having an elite season. You have to you have to continuously look and refine and define what is what what is Ward's uh, level of excellence? What is his expectations about himself? Um, I got to believe when I saw him in 2018, you watch film from that season when he didn't even touch the field for half the season. He, he was a special teams player. But in practice, he developed and displayed so much top-end corner talent. We saw the speed. We saw the ball skills. We saw the, the mirroring, the way he could uh, jam our receivers, which are some of the top receivers in the league, on a day-in-day basis in and out when he was doing the scout team, um, um, when he couldn't get on the field. When you talk about PFF and we talk about all these measurables that rank guys, the Shermans, the Gilmores, that those, those things are, are, are always a, a, a perspective of one person. But none of those things matter as much as how he views himself. As long as C. Ward is continuously pushing himself to reach a higher level, to develop his foot speed, his punch, his, his mirror ability, where he stabs and jabs to prevent vertical releases by the receivers, his consistency at his leverage, the one thing that you'll hear from Coach Spags that he demands from our DBs is they are in the correct and proper leverage when it comes to themselves, the receiver, and the ball. A lot of what we do on defense has different guys playing at different leverages to make throws very difficult, to have the quarterback hold on another second to allow that pass rush to get there or that extra rusher to get there. And you have to maintain that and be consistent with that down in and down out. That's the type of consistency that I think will take C. Ward from a, a, a good corner to a great corner, especially when you talk about in Coach Bagnola's defense. Couple things here, and then we're going to move on to the rest of this crew. That one, the just the the uh, images of him after that Super Bowl Fifty Four yes. championship, and being overcome with emotion, and understanding that this has not been an easy path for him. Uh, you know, we've had uh, Matt, BJ, and others have done some in depth stories on him, and just a remarkable path that he's had, and the resilience he's shown. The second is we always play the what if game in twenty eighteen. What if that interception would have stood? And there wouldn't have been an offside penalty. Yes, sir. That would have been, I was sitting here thinking, that might have been the biggest single defensive play in Chiefs history at the time they got wiped away. But to me, Shop, there's still some plays like that coming for this guy because I've seen him growing big time. I think there's still a lot of room for him to grow. Man, and we talk about that big play, that interception that almost happened. I think that was maybe his third or fourth start, right? Yeah. He didn't start into that Seattle game late in the season. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And he had to be like, like everybody had to like convince that all these great attributes we were seeing in practice could be carried over to the field. Uh, we were we were kind of satisfied with Steven Nelson and Scanlon being our starting corners until we got to a point with with those guys. We had to continue to to push them, and, and, and the, the the more talented player rose up. And when uh, C. Ward was given the ability to step into that role, he took it, and he never doubted himself, even when he wasn't starting. He, he, he prepared himself to play as a, as a top-level corner. And I think that, 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 that that's that scar tissue. That's that grit, that grime. That's what we like with guys. We, he wasn't given that position because he was brought in and traded with Dallas. We didn't give him and hand him a third cornerback or second cornerback position. We, we, we put him in a special team role, and he had to earn it. And he did it every week. And then when he got the opportunity, he didn't let down. He continued to press. 
made plays, play after play, and showed that he was not only willing and capable, but able to be a top corner in this league. And I think that type of mentality, if he can keep that edge, that mental edge, it will continue to drive him to greatness. And so I see him as being a top corner in this league, given the way we we we've surrounded him with so much talent at the safety position, with, with, with Willie Gay at the linebacker position, and the studs we have up front getting after that quarterback. Yeah, Shavarius Ward, interesting stories we watch in camp. The camp battle for him to come even better. Undrafted out of Middle Tennessee State, he could become one of the best undrafted corners in the history of the league. You think about uh, Chris Harris, right, yeah. out of KU that became a great player for the Broncos and and now at the Chargers. All right, now let's look at these other guys. Uh, Antonio Hamilton picked up in free agency, but he's mm-hmm. been a special teams guy for the Giants. Uh, Alex Brown came on special teams big time. Uh, Houston game helps force the fumble, make some big plays there. Uh, Chris Lammons has had some time with both Miami and Philadelphia. But Rashad Fenton now, going from year one to year two, I want to ask you about him. Because we saw him. The interception uh, on that deep, where he's playing the deep middle against um, the Chargers in Mexico City, kind of gave him just a surge of confidence. Because think about it, he made the first third down stop in the Super Bowl to force the first punt from the 49ers that started that onslaught in the fourth quarter. It was Fenton that made that play. But to me now, the camp battle for Fenton and these other guys is can they become, if Chavarius Ward is here going to here, can Fenton and Brown and Hamilton be here, go to here? What about that group of guys and their own camp battle? Well, I think those those three guys have somebody, a mentor already in the room with C. Ward. They can just mimic his mentality, his mindset, what he did to prepare himself for a season where it was unsure of his playing time, where he was going to fall, he prepared like a champion. He prepared like a starting cornerback. And that's what we're going to ask from those three guys. They have to prepare to be the number two corner because we don't know the status, uh, what's going to happen with Brashard. We don't know what the league is going to do. Um, So those three guys have to prepare to be a significant part of this defense from week one. And so the, the, the learning curve is going to be something that's almost non-existent. No one's going to give them the, the, the comfort or the excuse of being a young player or being undrafted or being uh, now with your initial team. They're going to be expected to come in from day one, participate, compete, challenge each other for that, that second cornerback, that nickel cornerback position, and be ready to go no matter what happens with Brashad. And so I think that, that, that level of opportunity and that expectation, um, even with the COVID situation has given those guys a sense of purpose that will drive them more than if um, if you you had them guys preparing to be a backup or a, a secondary role or just a special teamer. And before we get into the third category of this edition of uh, Defending the Kingdom, which deals with the cornerback position in the camp battles, I, I want to ask you about the teaching ability because I've been impressed with David Merritt and Sam Madison, right? Yeah. The, the DB coaches on this team. The other factor here are the safeties that you alluded to. Some would think if they're not the best group of safeties, they're in the top three or four and pretty close to that Seattle group of safeties they had when they were in their heyday. How much does that, these two factors help these corners as a group uh, from Travis Ward on down to the rookies we're going to hit in a minute. The fact that they get the teaching they get from Merritt Madison and the safety's helping them out, even to the point where they can have hybrid roles. If a Thornhill's healthy, he can slide. Honey Badger can slide over. He's shown as a play slot nickel. Um, Sorensen can play that kind of nickel backer position. I mean, the safety strength and the coaching that they get from the two guys that coach them most. Yeah, I'm going to say, number one, our safety strength 
the, the, the top strength in our safeties is their versatility. The ability, like you said, to be a, a center deep uh, baseball center fielder, to be a, a, a small, quick linebacker in the box, to be able to cover a slot, um, to be able to, at some positions and some, um, d- depending on formations, actually be a corner in our defense in some short yardage goal line situations. So their, their versatility, those are being those jack-of-all-trade type safeties, it allows our cornerbacks to really just hone in and focus on just true cornerback uh, responsibilities. And when you talk about Coach Dave Merritt, um, the one thing that I remember when he first got to Kansas City, I was able to sit on a meeting um, at Arrowhead Stadium when he went over what he expected our cornerbacks to do. And he said this to, to everyone. You can, it, wasn't, it wasn't a hidden secret. We're going to expect our corners to communicate six to ten different techniques. And if they can master those techniques, they will play at a high level in this defense. We're not going to ask them to do a lot of different things, but the things we ask them to do, they have to do it very consistently and be able to do it at an elite level. And so th- those that, that level of communication, when you when you when you cut down the jargon and the 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 the, the, the amount of uh, different techniques that we had before Coach Spagnola got here, and you and you really simplify their responsibilities. It allows guys to really focus on their footwork, uh, on their pad level, on their punch level. All the fundamental things that make the the great corners great is that they can do the same thing over and over again and do it at a very consistent rate. And it's interesting, the teaching that has to go on here. I did a minute with Mitch feature on it last fall where Mm -hmm. everybody wants to be a quarterback or a wide receiver, (laughs) right? I mean, your son played corner, but yeah. when you sit there and, and, and line up and everybody's like, well, who wants to play corner? <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a wide receiver. I'm a quarterback. Yes. Oh, okay. I'm Patrick Mahomes. I'm Lamar Jackson, right? I'm, I'm, Deshaun, I'm Deshaun Watson. Well, those guys become corners. Yes, sir. And the teaching that's involved when you're mentioning, because to play corner, I said the Tuskegee Airmen, these, these are highly skilled, highly technique. The greatest ones are that. So... Interesting to see how many of these guys are transplanted corners. I'm sorry, transplanted quarterbacks and wide receivers that become corners. All right, that now gets us in to this next group. And this does literally become what we see normally in the definition of camp battle. And that is fighting for a roster spot, fighting for a starting position. And that is this group of five rookies. Five. Two are drafted. Three who are some of the top undrafted free agents of any position in the entire mm-hmm. draft. This is where we talked about this a couple of months ago. We did a, a, a defending the kingdom, just kind of breaking down the corner position, but now we're getting ready to go to camp. So let's talk about some of these guys and how quickly they could possibly jump into the fray. And I'm not going to break them down to drafted and undrafted. Now I'm going to put them all together because think about Javarius Ward. Wasn't drafted. Does he, does he feel like a drafted player? Yeah. Heck yeah. Somebody missed on him, but the guys that have, like Legereus Sneed, we talked about his ability, but who in this group can become the 2020 Thornhill? Who can, maybe one or two of these guys, and what would it have to take for a young guy, two young guys, preferably, two of these young guys, Legereus Sneed drafted, Bo Pete Keys drafted, and the undrafted free agents of Hakeem Bailey from West Virginia played at Iowa Western up at Council Bluffs in Juco Ball, Javaris Davis out of Auburn, Levert Hill out of Michigan. What has to happen out of this group in camp, to your opinion, to be ready day one to help this team win a game? 
Well, the only difference between drafted and undrafted, as we would say, as a as a as a as an ex NFL player, as an experienced veteran, is that the the, the drafted player is going to be given day one opportunity. You're going to be given uh, a reps with the number twos, a bunch of reps with the number threes, and then the undrafted guys are going to fill in when the the ones and twos get tired. They're going to they're not going to get as many opportunities day one. So that first week of, of practice. But as their abilities start to showcase, and the one thing Coach Reed does, he talks personnel and evaluation of your personnel and your group every single day, after every single practice. Coach Merritt, Coach Madison, they'll be talking about these corners on a daily basis, ranking them on their performance day in and day out. And if these undrafted guys start to creep up that ranking, you'll see more and more reps with them with the twos. And and that that's that's the competition and that's the level of competition and accountability you want. You don't want anybody entering this um, the, um, this defense. The way this defense has been playing, the the the, the experience, the attitude, the the atmosphere of trying to become an elite defense is not built by giving people positions, by giving people roster spots on this defense because of where they were drafted. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if Bo Peep or, or Keys or, or, or Thaddeus, if, if one of those guys, when it comes to these two of this draft class maybe making this roster, if one of those two guys do not perform during training camp and an undrafted guy rises to the occasion, makes the most of his opportunities, and really showcases his top level uh, 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 of being able to play at this level, if one of those guys beat them out, then where you got drafted becomes a, a mute point. It becomes an afterthought. It's about being able to make plays day one, week one. And, and, and when it comes to special teams, being a gunner, being a, 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 um, a, um, the, the, the vice guys on the, on the pump yeah. return teams, and then having some, some, some returnability. So those kind of extra skills and extra levels that they help you stay around and hang around longer. But at some point you got to show you can go ahead and run with the big dogs and this defense, it, it, it hunts like a pack of wild dogs. So uh, the expectation of this defense is high. And so these guys got to uh, hit the ground running to be a part of this defense. Yeah. I've often equated it when you're talking about the drafted versus undrafted. I equated in the college ball. If you're drafted, I mean, if you're given a scholarship by Richmond and I'm a walk on a Richmond you automatically get to jump ahead. But if if they're re- real with it, then you see the walk-ons, even at the college level, surpass some of the scholarship guys. And that's the same thing here with these undrafted guys. I'm really curious because we haven't been able to see them yet in a Chiefs uniform. Akeem Bailey mentioned out of West Virginia, Javaris Davis out of Auburn, who was high, thought to be a drafted player, yep. or Levert Hill of Michigan, same. So a good job by uh, Brett Beach to get those guys, but I haven't seen them yet. That leads me to the final discussion here on this edition of Defending the Kingdom, getting ready for camp battles and focusing in on cornerback. And that is the fact that we did not have rookie camp. We did not have OTAs. We did not have mandatory mini camp. Um, they had rookie symposium, I guess, virtually. I don't know. Uh, I've been a part, a small part of their academy basically in the summer, which is a I mean, you know this, your first year in the league, that it's it's like the service academies before you even start in the fall, you're involved in the summer. Like you have your own beast barracks if you're going to West Point before anybody, you start classes in football or whatever. And so 
This group did not get that. Yeah. They didn't get all that. So now we're talking about can Legereus Sneed or Bo Peak Keys or Levert Hill or or Davis, can they become week one helpers, nickel, dime, even in special teams? How much did these guys miss? Because I got to ask this question. I get this, I got this asked twice now on outside media outlets. How much have they missed and how much could that affect them being ready to go week one, first game of the year against Houston? They missed a mountain. They missed a mountain of information. Uh, my first year getting into league, uh, we did a rookie camp. And that week of rookie camp, when we took every rep, I was exposed to 80% of the defense. And you had to, it's like that sponge. You try to see how much you can soak up. So when the veterans come back and your reps are cut back dramatically, you have to learn everything through just watching other guys do it. But your, the expectation of you being able to go out there and perform, you're held to the same level of excellence. And so that's very tough realizing these guys aren't going to have as much time off the field to get around Coach Merritt and Coach Madison and learn um, how to really uh, um, practice at our pace and the way we practice. It's so many things besides just the X's and O's that, that, that determine how the Chiefs practice at a championship level. It's the pace. It's the tempo. It's the communication. It's how guys hit the field between the white lines um, I'm practicing on a championship level. And, and that's something that's hard for any college kid, no matter if you came from the Michigans or the Richmonds of this world. When you hit the pro level, it, it's a difference. The speed changes. But with that said, I think there are certain training camps, off-season training camps and workout facilities that if these guys are smart, they're getting with their agents, they're getting with other players, they're getting with guys that graduated before them and are in the league and say, hey, guy, like you've been in the league, you've been a part of this. Let me go work out with you. Let me find out where you're working at. Um, I worked out in the, the, the back end of my career, the last eight or nine years of my career with a guy named Tom Shaw. He's a guy now at the, at the Walt Disney World, uh, World of Sports. He does a NFL training. Um, I think Dak Prescott is a guy that works out down there and a lot of NFL guys. Um, to be ready for the pros, you got to kind of practice with pros. You, got, you can't be, be working out on your own. You got to find other guys that are working at that same pace with that same intensity to kind of see – um, 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 what what is the level of competition going to be like? So, I mean, I, I would encourage those guys, even with just weeks left, uh, find find somebody like a Tom Shaw. Find somebody um, like where Pat Mahomes workouts. Um, uh, I think that Strope um, workout facility where they're doing all those videos online. Call call the leaders of this group. Call um, Honey Badger. Call Frank Clark. Call the guys that you know are, are are really getting it in and working out at a high level and find out where they're working at and find your way to get down there, get to them, um, so that you can hit training camp running and you don't have to worry about conditioning as one of the things that you are um, I'm, I'm worried about. Well, we'll close it out here. I mean, we can talk about this team yeah. <laughs> nearly intact from a Super Bowl championship. Yes. But Kendall Fuller, arguably, would be the one guy uh, going back to – he's kind of followed your path, the chief and a redskin. Uh, <laughs> So, uh, but uh, Kendall was an outstanding player for this team and could be that versatile corner safety type. And this interception at the end of Super Bowl 54 will be remembered forever. But here we go with this group of corners. I'm excited a little bit with the unknown. I think there's athleticism here of these young guys. I'm excited for Travarius Ward to make that jump up. I think Rashad Venton especially can make that jump up. And then all these other guys who can emerge. So, uh, I'm excited to see it, and hopefully we'll get together soon and put these corners up and have a camp battle. 
Man, I, w- I would rather have a team which the national media calls our cornerbacks as kryptonite, but we know their potential is through the roof. Then have a team that says, "Oh, we have a good cornerback group, but has no potential." Like, like where is good? We, we we've already tapped out. Where as good as we're gonna be, the yeah. league knows they're not gonna get any better. So yeah. I, I don't want I don't want I don't want to be I don't want to be have fear of being great because I'm happy and satisfied with being good. So yeah. I'll I'll take the kryptonite. Give me my give me my corners. I'll take the kryptonite. I'll be the Superman. Uh, but but we're gonna look forward to these guys getting after it. And we know with Coach Spagnola, the way he pulls guys to the side, fine tunes, details their work, and with Coach Madison and, and Coach Merritt with their supervision, man, it, it's I, man, I think sky's the limit for this DB group. We'll just close it here. All those Alex Luthers out there on the Chiefs schedule, get ready and don't underestimate these guys as we get ready to run it back. Thanks, Shop Sean Barber, uh, our guy here, and again, just prayers, blessings to you and your family. As we push on in a lot of different endeavors here, I'm Mitch Holtz, the voice of the Chiefs. We do get ready to run it back and get ready for this camp battle at cornerback for your defending world champions. Thanks for listening to the Chiefs' official podcast network. 